And welcome back. We are still here. It's Mile High Magazine. Happy Sunday, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the day. We appreciate you listening here and you're wearing your mask and staying separated. Can't emphasize that enough. I know we're getting a vaccine, but we still got to kind of follow those rules. And a man who's going to just reinforce all of that is my good friend who's joining us, Dr. John Torres, formerly of Nine News here when he was just a little guy. Now he's a big shot with NBC in New York, even though you're, you're still hunkered down here in Colorado, aren't you, John? I am, Murph. I'm down here in Monument, Colorado, in the, uh, like we were talking about earlier, kicking and screaming to get me back to New York, so we'll see what happens. Ah, uh, you, you don't want to go back there. You want to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Colorado guy through and through. Well, there's no doubt about it. You and I have been working off and on doing this crazy business for a long time, and a lot of you do remember for your days on Nine News, you were their main doc, and now you're like the, the country's main doc about interpreting what we hear every day. And it's funny, you and I were just talking about that a little bit, about how all of this COVID and the problems has really changed the public's outlook on science and how it really works. Am I right about that? Yeah, and I think it has. I think people have a, a new interest in science, a new interest in health, particularly their health and medicine. And I think the reason behind that is because they are seeing science play out in real time. And science can be very confusing. And that's my job, what you talked about, is my job is to get that confusion and put in information people can use. You know, what does that mean? And the example I give people over the years is look at coffee. I mean, in your lifetime, coffee has gone from bad to good to bad to good, and now it's healthy for you if you do it in moderation. That's science playing out in real time, and typically what happens is you'll have these studies come out, and nobody pays attention to it. It's a study of eight people. Right. You know, somebody sees in their patients this might happen. So they put out a study, and other scientists look at it, and one scientist says, ah, oh, that's hogwash. I'm going to do another study, a bigger one, to prove it's hogwash. And another scientist, no, that makes sense. I'll do a bigger study. And that happens for about 10 years and then it all filters down to, okay, here's what it actually is. Here's the information. It turns out coffee can actually be healthy if you do it in moderation. Well, the problem is, is now in the pandemic, because of the media attention, we're seeing that play out in real time. So we get the guy who saw something happen in eight people. The example I can give you, hydroxychloroquine. It started because a French doctor noticed in about 12 of his patients that it seemed to work. And so other people said, hit the media, hydroxychloroquine works great for covid and then other scientists got on, and some said, yeah, I think it might work. Let me do a bigger study. And others said, this is not going to work. Let me do a bigger study. And then we got conflicting information. And then it went all the way down to now the CDC has said, okay, hydroxychloroquine does not work. You shouldn't even be using it. Oh, boy. And that's what studies are showing now. But that was over a year process. So I think people are getting looking at that information going, this can be confusing, but it's also very interesting. And I think that interest is going to keep going even after the pandemic, Murph. Oh, I think you're right about that. And one of the biggest things, I think, John, is the fact that we've come up with this vaccine so quickly, which is not what we normally see in the history of our country. And I think that makes people a little skeptical about even getting the shots because how could they develop it so fast? Do you agree? And, and that's exactly what I'm hearing from people that are hesitant to get the vaccine is they took shortcuts. That's how they did it so quickly. Well, they didn't take shortcuts. And let me explain why. And the, the, the way I can put it and the way I put it on air is that this is not. So they started looking at the vaccine back in January time frame. And back then, if you remember, they said 12 to 18 months to get the vaccine. Well, we got it in about 10 months. And so it's even much faster. At that time, they were hoping it could be 50% effective. It turns out to be 95% effective, so much more effective than we thought. But even starting back there in January, they have been working on these types of vaccines, particularly this mRNA vaccine you hear about, the right. Pfizer-Moderna ones. Right. They've been working on that for three decades. 
And they finally, and they use that information to start this. So when I tell people, this is not going from zero to a hundred miles an hour. This is going from 95 miles an hour to a hundred miles an hour. So they didn't take any shortcuts. They just used the science they've had over three decades to jumpstart what they did now. And we're able to do that quickly. The other thing is one of the biggest reasons that studies take so long, these human trials, we talk about the human trials, sure. you know, first, second, and third human trials. Sure is getting getting volunteers. They had no problem getting volunteers here. Most human trials for vaccines or drugs get about three to 7,000 people volunteering. Each one of these had 30 to 40,000 people volunteering, and they were able to get them. Usually it takes 10 years to get that many volunteers. Here they were able to get them in months because there's so many. It's a pandemic. It's affecting everybody. Do you think that's the way we're going to see science from now on since we're on that topic? Because you know there's going to be other viruses coming down the line. I hate to say that, but I think most professionals agree with that. Can we turn things around that quickly consistently, even though it is, as you just said, not that quickly? They've been working on these kind of things for a while. I think things are going to be sped up a lot more than they were in the past. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to be quite this quickly and part, quite this fast. And I think part of the reason is because of all the money, all the effort, all the scientists and all the volunteers that went into to trying this vaccine and, uh, and getting this vaccine to the point where it's been authorized. And again, you know, there's getting those 30,000 volunteers. They were able to get 30,000 volunteers in a matter of months. Usually it takes years to get 3,000 volunteers. And so I think we're going to get kind of a middle ground there. And that's still going to be the one point where people are going to, the studies are going to slow down a little bit or getting the volunteers. But I think people have seen that, you know, getting that volunteer in there, getting the trials through and getting the medicine or vaccine approved is going to be a quicker process. And so I do think we're learning a lot and it will be quicker. I don't think it'll be quite this quick because this was an emergency. We truly had to get it out fast. Well, that makes me wonder a little bit, because you talk about Pfizer and the Moderna. Now I'm hearing there might be some issues with the Johnson & Johnson. What do you know about that? Well, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the issues were in the manufacturing. And it was at one plant in Baltimore where they had to throw out 15 million doses. The reason was because there was some kind of issue, they think, with confusing those doses with the AstraZeneca ones they were making. And there might have been some mix-up there. And so they said, you know, let's throw out these 15 million just to make sure that everybody's safe, which is great. The quality assurance process worked. At the same time, they said, let's stop AstraZeneca from using this factory and just dedicate it to Johnson and Johnson. And instead of the factory people working on it, let's bring Johnson and Johnson employees in here just to make sure the quality is good. And so on one hand, it's, it's a bit worrisome that they were doing that and they got it kind of mixed up and they had to get rid of those doses. But on the other hand, I think it's encouraging that the quality assurance worked and they got those doses out of the system before they even filled bottles with the vaccine. And so they're looking at it very closely to make sure that everything that goes out there is very safe, very secure, and as you know, very effective. Oh, very effective indeed. Talk with Dr. John Torres, formerly of Nine News, now with NBC, MSNBC, CNBC. See him on TV with Lester Holt uh, when they're doing the night news. The guy's like everywhere on top of things. And now the concern is, John, as we've gotten our vaccine, and I've had both my shots, Carol's had both her shots, we're, worried, we're worried about these variants. Are, are, are the shots still effective against the variants? The shots are effective against the variants. And we're, just, we're coming out, or they're coming out with information showing that they are a lot more effective than we thought they were. And uh, here's the deal with the shots, Murphy. And you know, a lot of people got confused when the numbers came out because Johnson & Johnson was saying it was 72% effective. Pfizer, Moderna, 94, 95% effective. So people were comparing those numbers. The problem is 
it's hard to compare those numbers because they looked at patients differently. So it's comparing apples to oranges. You really can't compare those numbers. But the numbers you can compare, all three of the vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, all looked at one specific endpoint. And how well did people do at avoiding hospitalizations, avoiding death from COVID? And in the human trials for all three vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, Everyone that got the vaccine, everyone that was fully vaccinated, none of them, zero were hospitalized, zero died from COVID. And so that's the bottom line. And what I tell people all the time is if you get the shot and you get a breakthrough infection, meaning and it can happen, people, you know, it's only 95 percent effective. So if you get that breakthrough infection, but that breakthrough infection means you have the sniffles for a few days and then you fully recover, that's a win. The yeah. vaccine did its job still. And because it's so effective, we have this thing called a cushion effect, meaning that when these variants come along, it might go from 95% effective to 75% effective, but it's still effective, and it's still preventing those deaths and hospitalizations. And that's the end line, and that's what we're seeing with the variants as well, that it seems to be doing that. And so these are good for the variants. They have to keep an eye on the variants to make sure they don't change more, and an eye on the vaccine and how it's affecting us. We're going to need booster shots. The question is, will we need them at a year, three years, five years? We don't know yet, and we'll only know as time goes on. Well, well, as we've been talking about here, John, we'll watch the science. I'm sure we'll find out pretty quick. And now with the uh, the variants and how the vaccine's affected to them, you're hearing, I guess, from the CDC that we should be wearing not just a mask, but maybe two masks. Do you believe in that? You know, and they came out, and that, that caused a bit of confusion, too, because what they were saying, the message they were giving is that uh, two masks fit better sometimes in one mask, especially if that one mask fits loose. And if you've ever used those blue surgical masks, you know you can have some gaps on the side, and they were worried about those gaps on the side. Well, if you put a surgical mask on and then a cloth mask on top of that, it cinches it down to your face, and so it fits much, much better. It almost fits like an N95, and so it can protect you. And we do know the more layers, you know, obviously five layers is better than three, which is better than two, which is much better than one, but it's harder to breathe through five layers. So what they're saying is, as long as you have two to three layers of a good quality cloth mask, you're okay. If not, or if you're concerned, or particularly if you're in an area where you're at high risk for getting COVID, then you might want to think about double masking because it makes it fit better. You get double, you get more layers, but at the same time, you don't necessarily need that. And so hopefully that, that helps with some of the confusion there. So they weren't mandating or even suggesting everybody wear double masks. They're just saying that in some situations it might be better, and for some people it might be better. But, it, you know, if you're concerned, go ahead and definitely do that. Well, just be aware, like always, right, John? Be aware exactly. That's the main on. thing. Just yeah. be aware of, of where you are, your situation. And that's that's kind of the main the, the main thing behind all of this is just being aware of your situation. You know, do what you can. And, you know, we, we've talked about this before, the three Ws. You know, wear a mask, watch your distance, wash your hands. You know, avoid large crowds, those things that, that, that I've talked about, you've talked about, that are getting to the point where they're boring to talk about, but it's still the same sure, thing. And we're sure. so close to ending this pandemic. Just need to buckle down a little bit more. Well, now here in Colorado, as you well know, we've lowered the age down to 16 for the shots. That's a good thing, huh? Now, we have lowered the age to 16. And across the nation, President Biden is actually going to suggest lowering the age to, for everyone, basically making everyone eligible for the vaccine, 16 and above, starting in, uh, in the next couple of weeks. I think it's April 19th is when he's talking about making that. And so it's going to be at that point where it's going to be open up or he wants it to be open up to everybody across the country, which means that more and more people can get vaccinated. And part of that is because we're getting so many vaccines out there. Now they're at the point where they're vaccinating three to four million people a day. So at that rate, we could reach herd immunity 
you know, early summertime, which would be great because that means we're going to start getting back to normal life. If you look at Israel, and Israel has gotten as close as any country to herd immunity. They have over 50% of their population vaccinated. Their cases are have dropped off like a cliff. They have hardly any cases. They have things open up. People are going to concerts. You know, they're getting back to that normal life, which is what we want. It's going to take that vaccine to do that, Murph. Yeah, and we need a lot of people on board to do it. I know there's a lot of people hesitating to get those shots, and I think those are the kind of people that are hesitant to get any kind of shots. Do you agree? I agree. I think part of it is there. there's that group of people that are hesitant to get any kind of shots, but there's also a group of people on top of that that are concerned about this shot. Like you mentioned, that you know, did it happen too fast? Did they take shortcuts? And the answer to that is no. But at the same time, they're, they're a bit concerned. It's interesting. Kaiser Family Foundation did a study, and they've been doing the study since January, looking at vaccine uh, opinions, basically, who's willing to get it, who's willing to wait and see, who's willing not to get doesn't want to get it. And the people that don't want to get it have stayed the same, right around 15%. The people that have gotten it have increased. The one that has changed the most have been the people who wanted to wait and see. And that has dropped from, I think it was 31% down to 15%. That's dropped more than half. Right. And part of the reason is, I think, because they are seeing so many of their friends get it. I mean, so far, I'm looking to numbers here. You know, over 100 million people have gotten the vaccine, and we haven't had the issues. And so I think they're saying, okay, maybe there's something to this. And they talk to their friends who are like, hey, I feel protected. And you've gotten your vaccine. I've gotten mine. And you know once you get it, you feel kind of that comfort. You do. That confidence that, okay, I'm getting protection now. I do. I I absolutely felt that way. So listen, John, before I let you go here, what's this? You're writing a book now? What's going on with you? Yeah. (laughs) In my spare time. Yeah. I wrote a book. Actually, it started a few years ago. It just happened to coincide with a pandemic, and it, it's it's great for people not just looking at the pandemic and how to survive this and future pandemics, but basically life in general. And we called it Doctor Disaster's Guide to Surviving Everything. <laughs> so essential advice for any situation life throws your way. And as you know, you know, I was in the military for many many years, and part of my job was uh, disaster preparedness. And I've been to hurricane disasters, I've been through blizzards, I've been through wildfires. You know, I've been to, to war. And so looking at all these things, you learn lessons in life. And these are lessons that my dad taught me as well. And, and it basically boils down to a couple of things. Situational awareness, what I call keep your head on the swivel, so always know who you are, and have that will to survive. You want to make sure that you survive these situations. And, and the, the book's coming out April 13th. It's going to be on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, everywhere. So if you get a chance, get it. And it's, a, it's a great book that gives you a lot of insights. And we're particularly saying, you know, if you have a child going off to college, it's probably a good book for them to have, just so they can look at it and understand what, what they need to do to survive these situations. And Father's Day is coming up. Perfect yeah. Gift for Father's Day. Look at you, Mr. Salesman. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, always good to talk to you. Dr. John Torres, my buddy. Uh, we'll check back with you soon. Stay safe. And uh, keep up the good work you're doing. And that's it for Mile High Magazine. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. I'm Murphy Houston.